For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. There's a really interesting line, and I think it's episode two of season four, where she goes, what is going on? And I say, we had nothing to do with the violence against the Duttons. And she says, you really believe that? This episode of the Dutton Rules podcast is a double episode. Yellowstone prequel 1923 begins on Paramount Plus this Sunday, and Taste of Country's Sterling Whitaker was able to chat with the cast, including Harrison Ford, ahead of time. But the OG Yellowstone is still rolling, and Billy Dukes had time with one of the show's great soft-spoken villains. John Emmett Tracy played Ellis Steele, the cunning market equities lawyer that literally stumbled upon the Yellowstone Ranch way back in Season 3. We haven't seen him lately, but you'll learn that his fate hasn't been decided yet. I'm Addison Hager, and if you're a longtime follower of the Dutton Rules podcast, you may recall the conversations around 1883 getting just as heated as those around Kevin Costner's Yellowstone. Together, we worked through the history and landscape of an era few people knew much about. That's the plan for 1923 as well. After the first half finale of Yellowstone, our Monday recaps will turn to 1923, and the Thursday interview episodes will feature as many cast members from that show as we can get. And we've had time with quite a few already. Tap follow if you have not yet done so, and leave a 5-star rating and review at Apple Podcasts to let others know we do Yellowstone here. Staff at tasteofcountry.com is the email address for questions, comments, and corrections. Today is Sterling Whitaker breaking down 1923, followed by Billy Dukes with John Emmett Tracy, a.k.a. Ellis Steele. Thanks so much for listening to the Dutton Rules Podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode, I am so excited because we officially get to talk about 1923 and we have Sterling Whitaker on with us today who has personally gotten to talk with the one and only Harrison Ford, which Sterling, I am still so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so am I. I'm jealous of myself. <laughs> <laughs> For those who do not yet know what 1923 is, it's a prequel to 1883. It all ties into Yellowstone that we are watching now, season five. Um, it's coming, you know, the Western expansion's coming, prohibition's happening, the Great Depression, um, lots of lots of heavy, heavy topics. And we have, you know, uh, Harrison Ford, like I said, and Helen Miriam are playing. Harrison Ford is playing Jacob Dutton. Helen Miriam is playing Cara Dutton. Sterling, jumping right in before I want to talk about Harrison Ford first. But to begin all of this, what knowledge did you come in? Uh, had you seen the screener yet for 1923? I've seen one episode. So it's just enough to sort of be just enough to become aware of the characters enough where you're not just going into an interview blindly like, 
who are you? <laughs> right. But yeah. Right. That's all I've seen though. With your with your knowledge of, you know, 1883 interviewing those cast members and even Yellowstone interviewing those cast members, how did you, you know, we've gotten to talk before of uh, just you getting to interview the Yellowstone cast the second time around and kind of that um, decor, you know, that interaction and uh, familiarity. How was this 1923 going in knowing who you're getting to interview? I want to know kind of your emotions uh, and just like how you prepped for it. I just prepped for it by watching the episode and taking some careful notes and looking up some of the background of some of the actors just to have a little bit of a sense of, of what else they've mm-hmm. done. In the case of Harrison Ford, you know, I usually don't get tremendously excited about interviews because that's what we do all the time. But Harrison Ford, <laughs> right. yeah, it's, a, it's our job. <laughs> that's a different story altogether. You know, I used to have an action figure of that guy <laughs> when I was a kid. Are you serious? Did you tell oh, him sure, that? The, you probably didn't have the, enough time. No, oh, you did. No, he, I did oh. not. I did not tell him that. I, I don't do that thing where you you gush over people because I think it makes yeah, them yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't get a good interview, you know. But yeah, right. I used to have Han Solo stuff. I had a Millennium Falcon when I was a kid, so it was pretty oh. interesting. You go in there to talk to this guy. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! No, I told I'm the same way. If I always tell people, I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, they're people, and uh, you know, so I, I get not gawking, but man, that's that's cool that you used to have a Harrison Ford action figure, which that <laughs> leads me into you know getting to talk. Let's talk about Harrison Ford, who plays jo- uh, Jacob Dutton, and gosh, there's so many J's on this show, uh, who plays Jake or in this franchise, Jacob Dutton. He, you know, Harrison Ford has played when I was looking back at things that he's played and he did do TV early on in his career, but you can for sure start noticing a trend later in his career. He mainly solely did uh, uh, movies. And so did you get to talk to him at all about kind of that transition now back into television? So this was a round table and everybody was asking questions. And one of the questions that came up first, you know, of course, it's an obvious question. Why make the transition from film back to TV? He's never done a TV series, I don't believe. So this is his hmm. first foray into headlining a TV series. And uh, yeah, so it, it led into a really fascinating exchange about how TV has changed over the years. What did right before we're going to get to what he had to say about starring in the t- television show and um, part of that roundtable. But Sterling, what was kind of your takeaway uh, anything that you found noteworthy from what he said? Just how, and this is something that, I mean, this conversation has been going on in, t- in TV for a while about how mm-hmm. streaming has changed the game. You know, television, mm-hmm. you don't have to build toward a Pepsi commercial every 15 minutes now. You know, you can write it very differently. And really, when you're watching Taylor Sheridan's work, you're watching movies that he breaks up into incremental blocks rather than watching something that's written like a TV series. Well, that's a very, I, I mean, it, it's obvious once you say that, but didn't even really think about that when it comes to the writing and even how, yeah, how those, uh, how those actors interact in that way. Harrison Ford, obviously being a very notable actor he's played in so much. What was he like, Sterling? You know, surprisingly, normal you know as as you just said he's just a human being you know doing his job but he Mm. does not carry around a big mantle of like i'm harrison ford you know Mm. surprisingly humble 
kind of uh, more humorous than I expected. He gave really, really, really well thought out and serious answers to the questions. Hmm. But there was one there was one point where he was joking around with one of the people on the junket, and it was just hilarious. You know, he's he's actually kind of self-effacing and funny in that way too. Here's what Harrison Ford had to say about the transition of movies to a television show. There's not much difference between for for me for an actor. There's not much difference between uh, shooting for television and shooting for a, a feature film. A feature film. There may be actually more time to develop a character over over a number of different episodes than than you have in in a two hour film. But um, it, it really is the only difference. Really, these days, I believe. Uh, we used to think of television as having less ambition, perhaps, than, than uh, uh, feature films. It's no longer the case at all. This is one of the most ambitious uh, undertakings I've ever taken on. And um, I've, I'm so pleased with, the, with the, uh, what I've seen so far, because we're in post-production on much of it, but we... But we have the, um, the first couple of episodes locked, and I'm delighted by what I see. I've been enjoying working with uh, uh, very high-quality uh, actors and actresses, and um, we have the technical capacity and ambition to, to, to shoot this the way it was a feature film. It's quite beautiful to look at. I'm thrilled with the whole project. To follow up on what we just heard uh, with Harrison Ford, what made him, Sterling, decide to do this project? You know, it's really interesting. It it turns out that it's just mainly, well, mainly two things. Taylor Sheridan himself, who seems to have this weird knack for just calling up legends and saying, hey, man, wrote you this part. You want to do it? I mean, yeah, he, really yeah, yeah. Just, he just does that like Sylvester Stallone just randomly, hey, you know, I know you don't do TV, but you want to do this and, you know, Sam Elliott, people like that. So he, part of it is just his personal uh, force of, of personality to just call people up and ask them to do stuff. And that's what happened here. Um, Harrison Ford didn't see a script before committing to this show. So that's how good their conversation was, you know, how effective he is at getting people to kind of sign on to things. I based uh, um, uh, my decision on, on personal meetings with, uh, with Taylor. There was no script uh, at, at the time we agreed. One of the real draws for me was uh, the opportunity to work with Helen again uh, to play my wife, Helen Mirren. Who was who was the first one aboard? So um, I, when I when Taylor and I met, and it, um, probably preceded the script by at least uh, three or four weeks, and um, uh, so he talked me through what 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 his ideas were, and I was impressed by his. Uh, um, articulation of of those uh, of his ambition and um, and his sincerity. Um, and when I got the script, I, you know, I was I was very gratified. I, I think it's very interesting. It's um, ambitious again, 
but it's a it, it's a character very different to to any that I've played so far, as uh, and that interests me. I'm always interested in working with um, um, new things. Sterling, you also had the chance to interview Darren Mann, who plays Jack Dutton, and then Michelle Randolph, who plays Elizabeth Strafford, which I've said this to you before, but I I, I personally geeked out, you know, a big Bachelor franchise fan. Uh, Cassie, her sister, was on The Bachelor, but that's a complete tangent. But I knew I was excited <laughs> for that reason. I felt like, you know, I came with a lot of knowledge <laughs> to the table. But uh, what what was your questioning? Like, what did you want to get out of that interview with them? Well, these uh, they were paired up as an interview, and um, mm -hmm. I went into that wanting to know. And again, it's it's about Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren. You know, you're sort of a younger actor walking into scenes with these two cinema legends, uh, and I would just think that right. would be terribly intimidating. You know, if you let it be. So that was my first question to them: is what was it like walking into a scene with you know Oscar winners and Oscar nominees? It's would be stressful you you would think well and to that point when you just said you would think were they and we're going to hear their response but uh what did you were you surprised by their reaction or their answer i don't know if i was surprised by it but i was gratified by it you know you, you never know if somebody's going to carry around a star attitude or not and uh hmm. both harrison ford and helen mirren are in a position where if they did, nobody would be able to do anything about it. They just have to live with it mm -hmm. because they're in the mm -hmm. position they're in, you know? So it's kind of gratifying when you hear that people are not like that. Hmm. Did you get to, or did they talk at all of kind of the interaction, you know, how we've heard, you know, Kevin Costner stays on the set and, or not as much anymore, but in previous seasons, you know, he would kind of linger right. Right. around. Did you get to talk about like it did Harrison or um, Helen do similar or are they just too, too busy potentially in and out? <laughs> they didn't say how much interaction they had with them, but they did say that they'd gotten to meet them before the show. So that kind of breaks oh. some of that ice of walking yeah. in and bam, you're right into a scene, you know. When you said that they got to meet them before the show, that wasn't, they didn't have to do cowboy camp or anything like that, like Faith Hill and Tim McGraw had to do, or, or did they? I don't know if Harrison or Helen did, but some of the other actors mm -hmm. absolutely did. Yeah, some of the ones who were doing a lot of... I assume Harrison probably did, because I think he rides in this thing as well. So, yeah, uh, they, they do the whole nine yards of learning how to use the equipment and the saddles, the weaponry, you know, the whole nine yards. So, so cool. And to kind of bridge the gap here on the potential, um, the lineage here. So Darren Mann, who plays Jack Dutton. So this is when I had, you know, Billy knows his his family tree well. And uh, <laughs> this is when I had to kind of look back and go, okay, how is Jack Dutton related? So Harrison Ford, so Jacob Dutton is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, uh, Jacob Dutton is James Dutton, who was played by Tim McGraw in 1883. They're brothers, correct? That's correct. And yes. then Jack Dutton is James Dutton's son. And so, or no, 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 no. Sorry. I, I, I think That's, Jack Dutton is John Sr.'s son. Yes. Is that right? Yes, thank yeah. you. And yeah. so this would make, so Jack Dutton would be Jacob Dutton's great nephew, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, perhaps. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is literally a phone bill. 
going? Where, where's he? <laughs> it's, okay, never it mind. It gets too complicated well, for me, you know. I, 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 I really don't yeah, know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was trying when to When I was taking know, notes on this, I was actually, yeah, I was actually having to look because they sent an email from the network knowing oh, how, okay. knowing fully well how confusing this is. <laughs> identifying each character so you're not in there going and you are john's second cousin once removed right <laughs> right 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 and you're the ranch hand oh no sorry you're jacob dutton harrison ford okay gotcha gotcha <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well here is what darren and michelle both had to say about what it was like working with helen and harrison obviously you're working in a cast of really really big heavy hitters when you're walking into your first scenes with a Harrison Ford or Helen Mirren, people like that, what's that like for you? Do you feel a sense of intimidation at, at, at first before you become more familiar with them? Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely there's an element of that. Thankfully, I mean, Harrison and Helen are both such wonderful people that as nervous as I was before my <laughs> first scene with them, it was like quickly, they just made you feel so comfortable and they were so kind and we were able to meet them before we started filming, which was really nice. Um, and as the season went on and filming went on, I just grew more and more of a fan of them, even though I was already the biggest fan possible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And it's special when, you know, you grew up idolizing these people and watching them in your living room since you're a kid. And then I get this opportunity now to work with them. It's It's really a dream come true. But even better than that is when you get to meet your heroes and they turn out to be such cool people. I mean, so refreshing. It's so cool. Both of them are so down to earth, so easy to chat with. They mm -hmm. set a great tone right from the beginning. So they cut that nervous, whatever stuff out right away because they made it so easy to be around them. Amina Nieves was one of the actresses that you were able to talk to. Sterling, tell me, Number one, what you what was your biggest takeaway and kind of going into what you had hoped that you would just get to know more about her, uh, but also who does she play on 1923? So she plays a character named Tiona Rainwater, and although nobody has said so, I would assume that she's a per precursor to Chairman Thomas Rainwater. I mean, I mm -hmm. would certainly think that that's where they're going with that character. Um. And it's really interesting because uh, she is a brand new actor. I, this is really her first major project. So, wow. you know, uh, I, my main curiosity about her was what it's like to walk into such a huge production like that. And it's really the first mm. thing you've ever done. Is there anything that surprised you even about, you know, the what I love about Taylor Sheridan is that this is not uncommon, you know, that he doesn't, he doesn't overlook someone who hasn't necessarily had, you know, major, major film background or TV, you know what I mean? It's just like your talent, honestly, you know, you could have nothing, but as long as you're talented, heck yeah, you're in. Um, her disposition, you know, is there anything that her as an actress and as a person that you kind of really took away um, as impressed by? She's very, very articulate. Um, the performance mm. that she gives in the first episode is is uh, pretty impressive, you know. And, and yeah, just a little bit of backstory. So, in 1923, there's a an American Indian. Uh, there's a school for American Indians run by the church in Montana, and she attends that. And then there's a a particular nun that's very, very hard on her, and so. That's her backstory, and of course, we have no idea where that's going, but I'm going to assume somehow that she might 
flee that school. Hmm. And maybe yeah. she ends up helping start the reservation. I'm not real sure hmm. you know, where that's going to go. But uh, it's really interesting because her character has a very difficult storyline. And she's a pretty sunny, you know, upbeat person herself. So there's a, okay. a remarkable difference between those things. Wow. Yeah. She, for those who are listening, we are able to, we got a screener of 1923 um, before it airs this coming weekend. And yeah, she plays just a really, I mean, I'm thoroughly impressed that she, you know, acting wise, it's not this long list of heavy hitters. I mean, I was, she's, she's really talented. Um, And Mm -hmm. interesting though, because she does play at least in the first episode, it's a very dark and heavy heavy scenes that she's in. So interesting to hear that, you know, she's not, she's not the same as her character. Kind of like we've talked about the Yellowstone cast of, you know, how sometimes you can, you're like, ah, is Rip and Cole Hauser potentially the same person? You know what I mean? And uh, interesting to hear that obviously she is not. I could see her being a sort of a breakout star of this thing. If her character arc continues, I could see her being the Elsa of, of 1923 and, and, and really garnering a lot of attention for herself from this role. Amina, this is your first really major acting role. Do I have that correct? Yes, you do. So there's nothing like starting small. Um, did you go into this with a sense of... <laughs> of uh, Stress? Of, yes. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's a, um, it was wild. I think everything kind of happened so quickly too. Um, essentially, though, I I I came with it knowing um, the the deep honor that I, I have by doing this, um, because this is not just for me; it's for everyone, and not even for everyone on Turtle Island, but for all Indigenous peoples that that are in this planet, you know, and there's so many, I mean, listen, I, I think it's, um, I think we're all getting to a point in, in this generation where we're really acknowledging the fact that we are all indigenous to somewhere and, uh, the importance of that, of getting back to our roots. And for the last cast member, Brian Drarity, who uh, will have many other, Sterling will get to talk to uh, many other cast members as time goes on, but these are the ones that we have for the podcast today. And he plays Zane Davis, who is a ranch foreman, which Sterling, is he anything? We know one ranch foreman and his name's Rip Wheeler <laughs> on, <laughs> on Yellowstone. Is What is this? Who is Zane like? You know, it's funny. We don't really get that much of a sense in the first episode of what Zane is like. He's not a major, major character in the first episode. So they establish his presence, but we have absolutely no idea where his storyline is going to go or or what, you know, we're going to see a lot of development. But yeah, it's funny you should say, is he ripped? Because that's my question to Brian was, you know, (laughs) it's obviously going to draw comparisons to Rip. And so my question to him was, how do you, uh, how do you articulate the character differently so that you don't uh, reinforce that sort of comparison? And is there anything, what did you kind of take away from that before we listen to what he had to say? It's interesting because he, you know, you, you want to you phrase a thing like that carefully because you don't want to offend some guy and say, hey, you're just another rip or whatever, you know? Yeah. And it's funny because he, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, actors can get so, uh, part of their job is defending the character, Touchy, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you don't want to tread on anybody's toes. And it was interesting because he did have a, a really interesting insight into how the two characters are different. 
your character of Zane is the ranch foreman. That's yeah. going to invite some comparisons to Rip. How, how do you differentiate him and make him like not just 1923's version of Rip? Yeah, so I think he's a di- just a different energy altogether. I think, but but the comparison would be right. I think he's just more he's more straight down the line, a little more composed in terms of Rip. It's Rip's like a bit more in your face, and I think Zane <laughs> will get there. But I think Zane's yeah. way of dealing with things are like, let's talk about it. We'll figure this out. He's more practical in his approach. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thanks, Sterling. 1923 begins on Sunday, December 18th on Paramount Plus, the streaming service you need to pay extra for. Now we'll turn the conversation over to Billy Dukes for his interview with actor John Emmett Tracy, who plays Ellis, the market equities lawyer. Hey, Billy. John, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here. No problem. Thank you for joining the Dutton Rules podcast. Where are you uh, zooming in from today? Right now, I'm in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Okay. And um, I just got back, uh, I think yesterday, I'm sort of losing track of time, from Fort Worth, where we did the big uh, season five whirlwind weekend of premiere galas and parties on ranches and <laughs> red carpets and screenings. It was <laughs> It was pretty great to uh, yeah get together with the, not just the cast but you know the cast of 1883 a lot of them showed up and uh oh nice a lot of the people from Paramount and and 101 and Boss Ranch like a lot of the it was it was nice to all be in one place and to celebrate this thing you know and to and to watch it together we wa- we all watched the the premiere together while people at home were watching it So full disclosure here John and I are talking between episodes 2 and 3 so he very his character Ellis very well may die in episode three. We have no idea yet. <laughs> um, but tell me about that party. I saw some pictures of it, and it kind of made me a, a little green with envy. It, it looked like a good time. Did you get to meet anybody new or uh, spend some time with any of the the cast that you've re- really gotten to know uh, through the years? It was great. It was a you know a lot of times when you're when you're making a show, you do get to spend some time with people, but you're quite uh, well. You're busy. You know, everyone's got a job to do, and and so even you know the crew that you've known for a long time. I got to sit with a bunch of the guys from the crew and watch the show, which was you know we never get to do anything like that. You know, you you're, you're working yeah. at such a schedule that, and so to sit and watch what people have done together, and you know, sort of give some fist bumps to people when, you know, like when a shot was incredibly, you know, executed or something that was cool. And then, yeah, absolutely. There, as you probably know very well about the show, uh, you know, most, a lot of the different sort of storylines don't interact. And so the Cowboys don't get to come into the boardroom and I rarely get out to the ranch, um, at least on camera. We've done a lot out there sort of, during off time, you know, during the, during uh, the pandemic, we, we would have events out at the actually Yellowstone ranch, which was a lot of fun, but um, yeah. So to get to talk and, and, and to hang out and then truly a treat for me was to meet a bunch of the people from 1883. You know, I've never met 
La Monica before or Eric. Uh, and so to get to hang with them a little bit and, and catch up and just just kind of t- it's sort of like we're part of the same family, but it was a bit of a family reunion, you know, like the cousin you never get to see. Uh, so yeah. that was cool. Yeah. We've had Eric on the podcast before. He's a super nice guy. Uh, great conversation. Great. And a really talented actor as well. Funny, a funny man. I, I found him to be really, really funny. I know. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Because you, you watch these things and people are involved in these incredibly uh, intense, you know, dramatic, uh, tragic stories. And then you meet him and yeah, just, <laughs> just funny guys, you know. What was the scene? I mean, coming out of episode one and two, I mean, the big action was um, probably the death of Monica and Casey's baby. But I think to me, the scene that was most difficult to watch was probably Beth really grinding down Jamie with the yes ma'am scene. I mean, I'm sure mm-hmm. that was made intentionally so it was difficult to watch. What was it like watching that amongst the cast? And maybe even Kelly Riley, Kelly Riley was nearby watching her tell Jamie to say yes ma'am. I mean, that's just, it was brutal on it screen. Was, it was pretty cool, wasn't it? <laughs> it was pretty, it was pretty. <laughs> um, I, I, I will tell you this, so... So that was from, now correct me if I'm wrong, that was from episode two, right? That's the right. second half of the, and, and I should tell you that the screening we did was just episode one. So okay. a lot of us have then since seen episode two, but I, I, wasn't, with, I wasn't with the gang. But I agree with you, that, that was quite, a, quite an intense scene. And you know, this storyline between them, it's one of my favorite parts of the show is to watch this thing, I don't know, a chess match. I mean, what's the, it's more like a wrestling match, I guess you could say be, that has been growing between them for all these years. And, uh, you know, Kevin Costner said it best recently in an interview. He said, we're, we're not the foot's on the gas and we're not slowing down. And I think you're going to see, you know, their story really start to ramp up too. And I think what you're talking about that particular scene is, is sort of an introduction to a new phase of their relationship. Do you know all the particulars about how season five goes and ends? No, not all. Um, so we're actually not done fully making season five. I don't know if you know that oh. we're, we're, we're sort of doing it in two halves. Yeah. Right. We, uh, okay. you know, so we're, we're done up to about the halfway point and then we're going to come back in the new year and, and do more. So most of us don't know anything about the back half of the season. Uh, we all have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen in this big chunk. And, you know, even the, even the scripts. So, for example, uh, the episodes that I'm not in, most of the time I won't be getting the scripts. Although sometimes I do. Sometimes they send them to me anyways because it might be relevant to something my character will say in the next episode or something like that. Sure. But you do piece things together, and I think one of the fun things about being on a set is there's an awful lot of, um, yeah, hey man, did you did you read six? Six is, uh, right. you go, yeah, yeah, I read six. Oh my, wait, how you know? And there's a lot of there's a lot of that going on. Or someone, or you'll see somebody, a water cooler talk, yeah, and yeah. You, or you'll see somebody <laughs> with episode, uh, you know, whatever seven in their hand, and you'll glance over their shoulder to see what page they're on and you'll be thinking, just wait, just wait till the end. You know, you, so there is an awful lot of shared um, Interesting. rumor and kind of, you know, yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. It's great. And so I think I do have a pretty good sense of what's happening and, and some of it, Billy, if I could, I wish I could, <laughs> I wish I could tell you because <laughs> yeah, I think you're, I think people's minds are going to be blown by some of what goes down. It's uh, 
I mean, you know, my jaw was wide open when I heard some of these. I was just astonished, like shocked. And somebody told me, you know, certain details that I, um, you know, obviously I won't talk about today, but um, I, I just can't wait for uh, the reactions of people. You know, once this thing, this thing uh, plays out, it's going to be a, it's going to be, it's going to be the best season yet. And I know everybody says that. And I know I'm certain I said that last season during interviews, but uh, I don't know how he keeps doing it, but Taylor Sheridan, um, he's got a natural storyteller sense of keeping keeping the balloon in the air, you know, or keeping the, the, the ball in the air and making it go higher each time. I mean, I don't know how you feel. Like, what? how do you feel from season, you know, one to two to three? It just keeps ramping up, doesn't it? It does. I, to me, I have a special place for season two because I loved the Malcolm Beck and the Beck brothers as villains. They were just... To me, right. they were my favorite villains because they were tr- truly villains. Uh, season four really delivered after a, a pretty high bar was set on season three. And now, of course, we're getting into season five. I've only watched a couple of episodes, so TBD. Um, you know, it's funny. You, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I'm glad you brought that up about the Beck brothers because, you know, all all week uh, in the lead up to the premiere and during the weekend and a lot of the press we were doing, I, you know, people keep saying to me, well, you're, you're, you're one of the big villains. And I, I keep saying, well, I'm, I'm the only guy in the show that hasn't murdered anybody. You know, like I'm, I'm just going to work and doing my job and doing what I'm being paid to do. And, um, you know, you could argue that it, you know, it's not, he's, he shouldn't be there and his company shouldn't be there. And I think that's, seems pretty clear, you know, right from the first time you see them coming over the ridge, a bunch of suits on the hill, they're so out of place, you know, and I think even just figuratively and metaphorically, it's an image that, uh, you know, sticks in your mind as fish out of water for sure. These guys don't belong here. So, but, but yeah, is, is Ellis a villain? I don't know. You know, he's not doing what the Beck brothers were doing. That's for sure. Well, it's like you're looking at my notes as you talk there, John, because that was literally my next question. Because I saw, I think, an interview with Forbes you did where they oh, described you as the yeah. villain. And it's like, wait a second. He's getting in the way of the Duttons, but um, I'm not sure villainy is uh, on his mind uh, quite yet. He's just, you're a man doing his job, as far as I can tell. <laughs> doing his job. And, you know, I, I think he clearly... Ellis and Market Equities have done this before. You know, they've done this in other communities. They come in, they take care of business, and they wrap it up pretty quickly. I don't think when Ellis got off that plane, you know, in season three and and got to work, I don't think he had any intention of being being there a couple of years later. You know, I think he thought – he underestimated. I mean, I've been saying it, but I think it's safe to say at this point that that the entire you know New York contingent came out and, and and severely underestimated not only the Duttons but just the way of life and and the connection to land and 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 legacy and heritage in Montana in general. So, um, which is why you're starting to get a hint that uh, Caroline Warner and and Ellis and everyone at Market Equities are saying, well, you know, if the if the obstacles are this high, uh, then we're going to need tactics that match that. So. Where are your boardroom scenes filmed at? Right. So uh, the, the the main market equities boardroom is shot in an actual office building in Missoula, Montana. Okay. Um, so 
so that's a real that's a real office building and a lot of times we'll we'll go in there and do multiple episodes in a day you know sort of on a weekend or something um but once in a while you'll see sort of the hallways of that building or or particularly if we're going in the in the capital in the state capital so sort of Jamie's office or um or the governor's office those things are usually although not always they're usually done on a sound stage and that used to be in Utah uh in seasons 1 through 3 those scenes were all shot in a sound stage in near Park City and then you know when the pandemic came and we were working on season 4 uh, there were a lot of regulations and a lot of unknowns you know it was kind of a new thing for everybody so everyone kind of uh they kind of condensed everything and brought it all up to Montana so we had as far as i know i don't think we've been back to utah since uh although it was great working there it was a, a wonderful place sure um but of course as soon as we all centered in montana then the storyline started taking some of the cast to texas as well so we we sort of traded utah for texas Tell me about fi- filming scenes with Jackie Weaver. I mean, Jackie, of course, plays Markwood Equities uh, CEO Carolyn Warner, and her presence on screen right. is larger than life. I mean, she's a, a tremendous actress, and her character is really great as well. Yeah. How do you approach those scenes to give her enough room? I, I, just how do you approach them? I guess is the question. Yeah, I just enjoy every second of it. I, I. I, I I can I can safely say she's one of the most delightful people I've ever met. She's she's so much fun to be around. She's a she's a great hang. Uh, she's she's fun. She's great with the crew. She loves to joke. She's got a wicked sense of humor. Uh, she loves to laugh. You know the other thing is that I was thinking about this recently. She observes everything. She's got she's sort of one of these detailed people, and. And any little thing that's happening with the crew, she'll sort of notice the the dynamic between them, or and she'll point things out that a, a lot of us are sort of got our heads in the in the in the script or in the moment, and she's kind of and I think that really is one of the reasons why she is the kind of actor she is. Um, so to give her space, you know, it's 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 like a great um, you know game of of tennis or something. It's just a lot of fun to bounce things off of her and and to not know what she's going to do. And I don't mean that like she's not. Um, she's not erratic or in, in, in that way, she's unpredictable in the good way. You know, there are, there are changes each take and there are nuances and, and new things that come from her that allow you to have a different reaction uh, each time. So I, I, I love working with her. I, I hope I get to continue doing it. Is this a case where your theater background really helps you kind of give her that space and respond to her um, uh, genuinely? Uh, you know, it's, it's sure. I, I would say. I would say for for anyone who's come up that way, like she did as well. She started in theater and and had a long successful theater career. Uh, there is a you know sort of a common um, how will I say it like a common uh, rehearsal and and play and those kinds of things. That's sort of like base camp for a lot of actors. You know when we know that. Having said that, you know I, the, there are a lot of actors on Yellowstone that perhaps haven't had a theater background, although we don't always sit around and talk about that. So I don't actually know, but I don't find that, that that makes a massive difference. I, I think it's the, I think it's the environment created by the job you're working on and Yellowstone uh, 
is a place that allows the actors to experience those moments. We're not rushing in the sense that there's no time to, you know, some shows you work, there's one take and you move on. You get a little time to to find it. The directors on Yellowstone really know how to sit with an actor and and have a have a chat and they do it in an economical way where we're not taking all day discovering like what's my motivation. We're not doing that, but it's a it's a it's a collaborative and creative environment. And and um so working with whether it's Jackie or with Dawn, who people are starting to see, or or those really fun scenes I got to do with Kelly uh last season. Uh, where Beth and Ellis clearly don't like each other. And, you know, that was just fun. You know, we were doing a lot of laughing off camera for for those things because of some of what we had to say to each other, especially her, you know, to me. Yeah, so hmm, I'm trying to decide if I've answered your question. I I, I think anything that has come into an actor's sort of um, process or experience informs who they are. And I do think uh, Jackie and I speak a common language and we work well together, but I have a feeling that whether she or I had never done theater before, it might still be the same way because the environment we're working in uh, is just so conducive to creativity. John plays Ellis Steele on Yellowstone, and this is now your your third season on the show. Of course, we're in season five, but this is the third season that you've been, you've stuck around. I think a villain sticking it around for three seasons is... Um, pretty accomplished. You're the mm-hmm. longest lasting villain currently, aren't you? Because Carolyn didn't come until season four, I believe. Or the end of season three, maybe. I guess so. I, yeah, I, I guess so. I guess I'm the, yeah. you know, I'm, I, I've definitely had a few different sets of, of bosses come through from, right. from uh, market equities and, and I'm the, I'm the consistent thread, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I showed up at the beginning of season three saying, just wait till my bosses get here. And now, you know, several bosses later, we're, <laughs> we're still threatening, but it's going to, you know, <laughs> we, we, we're starting to learn the rules. I think that's the thing, you know, I don't think, I don't think we, you know, there's a great moment where, where I think it's a season four where, no, definitely a season four where Ellis says, you know, the, the New Yorker and me can't trust that. And, and Beth says, you're not a New York now, buddy. And I think that was such a great moment. And I think it was an eye opener. Not that they would let her know that, but I think it was an eye opener for everybody. Like, you know what? She's right. We're not in New York. And this, the New York tactics aren't working here. So I think we've now come to a place where we understand we're either going to play by the rules that are, that are clearly set in place in motion in this, in this uh, culture and in this community, or we're going to have to pack up and go home. Feel like we don't want to pack up and go home. <laughs> rules should be in air quotes. Yeah, on the Yellowstone because <laughs> of the yeah, rules, but they're exactly. not exactly. <laughs> they're a different kind of set of rules, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you brought it up um, earlier, but your, one of your, your very first scene, I believe, was that scene where you are walking through the field, looking at this new land that Marco Equities has acquired, and you come across a rip, and, and you're just sort of naively traipsing through the field in an expensive suit and presumably very expensive shoes, and. It's kind of a wonderful contrast to what extent was sort of that you as an actor, like this guy from the Midwest coming into Montana and the ranch in the wilderness. Did you have kind of a, a little bit of a naivete about the landscape you were entering into much like Ellis did walking onto that? Well, you know, it's interesting. If I may just touch on the premise of your, your question first, 
I actually don't think he was naively walking through that field. I, I, I think he knew exactly what he was doing, and he oh, okay. gave the impression he gave. In fact, I'm certain that's where we were heading with it. I, he gave. He certainly gave the impression, like, "Hey, fellas, what's going on? What are we? You know, I don't know where I am here. I, right. I'm on the wrong side of the fence. Oh, forgive me. I think he knew <laughs> full well that coming over the the hill with the troops was going to fire a shot across the you know across the border, sort of thing. Um, and you know, I've talked about this a little bit in the past, but it's. He's, Ellis is really the first character I've ever played in my career where I, I made a conscious decision ahead of time that, and this was just from Taylor's writing, just reading the way I interact with different uh, characters. I just decided Ellis is somebody who actively attempts to be who he needs to be in the moment, depending on who he's with. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't have integrity or that he's, doesn't, you know, that he's a liar or those kinds of things. But if you watch even my first episode, uh, I'm pretty friendly and hey, buddies, with those guys out in the field. And oh, gee, you know, I I wouldn't know my way around the fields if I, you know, I, it was very. And then he charges me with the horse, and I go, ha ha ha, you know, come, let's go for lunch. You see me, uh, <laughs> the very next scene, you see me. I'm with Chairman Rainwater, and I'm intensely dismissive of him and and condescending and and po- possibly racist. You know, there's there's some like whoa. And then the next time you see me is with Governor Perry, and it's a, a you know this three-page sort of monologue of facts and figures, and I'm an A-plus student, and I've got all my homework finished, and I'm ready to put this deal. And then you see me with the bosses, right, and very much taking my place as kind of a, a right-hand man, or you know, at one point you see me carrying luggage for for Caroline. So it's, I think he knows how to fall into who he has to be when he has to be it, and I. I actually don't think there was anything naive about that tactic at all. I think he knew exactly the the message he was sending by showing up there, and he couched it in a kind of friendly, uh, you True. know, buddy. Uh, not that not that they bought it, by the way. You know, they they didn't, didn't fall work, for that no. for one second. Uh, <laughs> it didn't. It did not work. No. So ta- on to tactic number two. But um, right. to answer your question, being out there, that was in Utah. That's one of the exteriors. They normally would do the exteriors all in oh. Montana, but that one was shot in Utah and just such a beautiful place. And we knew, every single one of us knew going out there what how cool this was going to look. And Stephen Kay directed it, as he does with so many of the episodes. And he really wanted it to look weird, to have these suits coming over. And, you know, none of us were in w- proper walking shoes. And I was, no. you know, we were all twisting our ankles. And I remember there being a lot of... I don't know, snake holes or gopher holes or something. We're all stepping in them and sort of twisting, you know, twisting ankles. And um, and that felt great because that's kind of what it would be like for these guys. But I don't think it was, um, I don't think they were really lost. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay. Fair enough. I think um I'm going to go I'm going to have to go rewatch that now, that scene. Uh out the peacock it, I guess to go when watch When you do, that when you again. do Billy, watch the Fresh very eyes. end. Oh, sorry right. to interrupt. 
I was going to say, when when you do rewatch, um, you take a look at what happens with Ellis the minute they the boys ride away, right? His smile drops, and you sort of you can sort of see that um, he's sort of gauging if this tactic worked and if he's going to have to try something else. Okay, I'll do that. Um, I don't know if this question is an out of bounds question to ask or not, but have you filmed any scenes? through either of the seasons three or four, I know you can't tell me about five that have gotten cut or was there any action that you were kind of anticipating that ended up getting cut from, um, the final script um, or the final show? Not much. I mean, uh, there was actually one tiny, tiny bit in, um, uh, you know, I don't know if I could talk about it. There, there was a tiny little piece in, um, in episode one of season five. Um, I don't think I don't think there's any great spoiler here, but um, Caroline and Alice were actually at that outdoor um, speech that Dutton gave, and oh, okay. uh, we exchanged a little bit of dialogue there. But it, it it you know it wasn't critical to the plot. It was just you know there were more people in that crowd than we ended up getting to see. Is sort of I think the idea was everybody's there to see what he's going to say, and right. to see what 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 measures he's going to put through. And he certainly came out with some strong. Uh, ideas but um no other than that though i and i think it's probably easy to assume watching that crowd that there were you know players involved sitting out there watching that had different vested interests you know interests in in what was about to happen so other than that no i mean um okay. i think everything has has gone in and um i think the real fun is is watching later what takes they went with and what tone sometimes you'll offer them different tones for a scene. Um, or the director will say, that was great. Now let's try another one where, you know, dot, dot, dot. And you, you know, you really sure. come in stronger or you really pull back on that a little. And you know that the, the scene could play so many different ways, depending on what the director and the editors choose together. And that's really where I think you've, you've heard, probably heard this many times. That's where the performance gets built. You know, ultimately, you give them options and then they they sort of piece it together later and it it can it can read a whole different way for example at the screening there were moments that um that all of us in the theater laughed at i, I i'm trying to think of what they were because i think you might ask but I, I i can't specifically remember there were moments that didn't really read as comedy on the page but we all laughed at c- collectively in the room None of us making it had intended for them to be funny when we did it, but it just it just timed out and it was fun timing, you know. A little bit of those kind of like lighter, unexpected twists or something. Yeah. Just a, a couple more minutes here with John Emmett Tracy, who plays Ellis Steele on Yellowstone um, and has been on the show since season three. At the end of season three, one of the popular theories was that Markwood Equities and maybe even specifically Ellis was responsible for the attacks on the Dutton family. How much fun was it that to sort of navigate through those conspiracy theories? And for some people even to think that maybe your character had something to do with blowing up Bath and shooting John and, and all of that. Um, you know, I, I, okay. So I wasn't, um, we weren't told as I'm sure you, you probably have heard. Uh, they don't sort of tell you as you're leaving, you're the one. Um, so we were all kind of, joking about it like was it you no was it you you know i don't know i have no idea who it was um and so 
Taylor knew certainly, you know, he probably knew before he ever started the show, <laughs> you know, what was, what was going to happen. Right. But, um, so I didn't know, and I don't, I don't, I don't go on and read a lot online for a guy like me. I play an awful lot of what you'd call antagonists or something like that. And I know from the people who recognize me on the street that, that they don't want my character in Montana. They wanted to go back to New York. And I mean, people are very nice to me They you know, they always, they basically say the same thing. They'll either say, leave the Duttons alone, just in an airport or something. People will say that to me or they'll say, <laughs> um, you, you know, you must be good at this because I really want to kill you. Or, so, you know, I don't know, some kind of a like <laughs> compliment, compliment couched in a threat or a threat couched in a compliment. I'm not really <laughs> sure. sure how to say it. So, so uh, I'm sure there were a lot of people that were hoping it was me. You know, they were hoping it was Alice so that he could get sent to the train station. Um, no, I just, you know, the thing for me, Billy, is I, I love being part of this sounds. I don't know how this sounds, but I love being part of a storytelling team. I like, I like being part of a, this is the, this is what they want told. I want to help tell it. And once upon a time is something that I love so much. And if I'm the, if I'm the antagonist or the protagonist, and I've done both in my career, I don't end up, um, you know, enjoying one more or less. Uh, but, but to answer your specific question, uh, I, you know, I think there's something interesting about villains too, because with 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 heroes, we sort of can anticipate how they're going to act. Do you know what I mean? Like we can kind of predict where they're going. Um, right. And this goes back to you know even ancient literature with 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 the antagonists or the villains, they're unpredictable, and so they're you kind of keep your eye on them in a different way, and that does make it fun to play. Uh, did I think I had been the one to kill uh, the Duttons? I, I actually didn't because, as as you and I have said already here today in our chat, I've just been doing my job. I you know I haven't broken any laws. I haven't um, I haven't threatened anybody really, other than in kind of just you wait till my boss gets here kind of talk. You know, um, it's been all done in in the courts of law and legal filings in the state. Uh, you know. Uh, you know, the county registrars and places like that. So, yeah, I didn't think it was me, but it sure was fun opening that that first script of, of season four to find out what it was and who it was. It was, you know, I think everybody was excited by that. And then and then to get back down to Montana and have everybody go, whoa, who knew? You know, we're kind of like comparing notes and predictions and things like that. There was somebody on the crew who sort of had it, got it right, I think. I can't remember who it was. It was somebody in the makeup department, I believe, who had kind of said, I think it's, you know, and sort of didn't quite tag the, mo- you know, I don't want to give spoilers away here. I'm assuming your um, your oh, listeners seen have seen it, but I, I won't go yeah. further. But yeah, yeah. But there was somebody who I think kind of, kind of got pretty close to it. Uh, no, we, we can we can definitely spoil here. I, I didn't think it was you, but I didn't think it was Garrett either. I think at the time I thought... Right. Um, Maybe someone unknown, or I like. I kind of liked the theory that that biker gang that they beat up in season three mm. had something to do with it. But, oh yeah, um, there was enough conspiracy theories to keep everybody entertained for a long time. That was a, well, that was yeah, a, and they had certainly, break. yeah, and they had certainly made enough enemies where you had a few people to, you had a few candidates to choose right. from. You know, yeah, but um, but there is an interesting line. Um, if you if you watch Caroline's entrance. Uh, Ellis picks her up at the airport. There's a really interesting line, and I think it's episode two of season four. 
where she goes, what is going on? And I say, we had nothing to do with the violence against the Duttons. And she says, you really believe that? And that kind of slipped by everybody, you know? Um, yeah. That kind of that kind of skated by everybody. Um, and, you know, you could easily argue what she meant was, look, everything is intertwined. Like everything, the fact that we're here and this is going on, this is all kind of, you know, a, the flap of a butterfly's wings affects, the, you know, it could be that. Or... Who knows? I mean, I'm not. I'm honestly not giving a spoiler, or I don't. I don't have an answer for this little <laughs> riddle that I'm putting out. But that did get said in the episode. That is one hell of a way to end this conversation. That just seems like a big old meatball of a tease, there, John. And I know you don't mean it that way. <laughs> it isn't. I don't know if the I, audience I is going to believe you. <laughs> You're on the inside. Who knows what you know? You're an actor. No. You could be, you know, looking right at me and lying to my face, and I wouldn't have any idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, Billy, I like to believe acting is telling the truth. <laughs> so being fair as enough, truthful as you enough. can with the thing. So, but no, I know what you're saying. I, I promise everybody that is not me dropping some big, uh, you know, hurricane okay. on everything. I, I don't, I don't have any, any reason to believe that that's a thing. I, I do really believe that Caroline meant, you know, everything's connected, buddy, you know, and, yeah. or we wouldn't, you know, I think that's what she meant. Um, so, and, you know, also, when, when there's that amount of money going into a state, for example, she could have been saying, uh, you know, all these investors or all these people or all these local businesses that are going to benefit from this, maybe they're angry that our, our, you know, our business dealings are being thwarted. Maybe they want the, the, the income or the revenue. She might have said there's some, you know, residual concussive, you know, uh, ripple sure. in the water or something. I'm not sure, but <laughs> I know you don't believe no. me, but I'm telling the truth. I believe you. <laughs> uh, we've been talking with uh, John right. Emmett Tracy. His character is Ellis Steele on uh, Yellowstone. And um, the first half of season five is airing now on Paranaut Network. And then we, we get the second half sometime in 2023 and filming still to go. So you'll resume filming at some point here for season five. That's right. Okay, cool. So now we know uh, Ellis lives through the first half. So a bit of a trick there, Jack. Well, I, I didn't say that. I haven't seen the scripts, you know. <laughs> they, fair enough. Fair enough. I could fair get enough. a script that says, oh, that, that, that horrible, uh, you know, um, whatever he caught. Uh, now he's, he's dead. Here we go. So who knows? Thank you so much for joining the uh, Dutton Rules podcast today. I appreciate it. Billy, thank you. I, I really love what you guys are doing here, and I've, I've listened to a couple that you've done, and I, I, I really enjoyed them. So, and I, and I love being here. Thanks for having me. That's the cunning Ellis Steele talking to Billy Dukes, but his friends probably know him by his real name, John Emmett Tracy. Thanks to his team for arranging this interview, and thanks to Harrison Ford for taking a little time to talk to Taste of Country and Select Media earlier this month. I'm Addison Hager, and Denton Rules is written by myself and Billy Dukes with the help from Sterling Whitaker, and the show is produced by Billy Dukes. Top follow and leave a five-star rating and review before you leave. And be sure to check out the archives for interviews with Ryan Bingham, Brecca Merrill, Cole Hauser, yeah, and more. Go on and mark your calendars for Tuesday, December 20th, because that's when our next recap episode will come out. Then we'll take Thursdays off until after the holiday, but continue making recap videos and audio content. In the meantime, have a great holiday. And remember, Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone 1923 podcast is another Jolly Town Square Media podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.